Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back, we're brown, we're black. Hey, Mandy. Hey, what's up? Happy Brown Ambition Wednesday. Yeah, super geeked. Have you been? Geeked about what? Um, I don't know. Oh, did you have- like, No, like I just have some exciting like uh, projects. Well, really, my, my children's book, the illustrations are completely done. And um, Molly Moore, I'm just super excited because it's going to come out um, Q1, so the first three months of 2020. So I'm just, I'm like excited, get nervous. I haven't like shared any of the new pictures or anything just because, you know, it's like my baby. I thought you were going to say you got a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh, no. You know they, you know they sold out. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, it's like the new Cronut somehow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's so crazy. Which is... Um, we were at my we were at uh, my husband's cousin's place, and they just randomly decided to order Popeyes through DoorDash, and I just was cracking up that Popeyes even delivers um, through DoorDash. And then the news came. I didn't know they were doing a sandwich, and then it's like all anybody wants to talk about this week is their damn chicken sandwich. Yeah, honestly, someone was like, "Girl, it's the same thing as their whatever sandwich with some spicy mayo," but you know, it's just. They tipped. It's like if you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, where you know at some point. Um, when an idea really catches fire, there's like a tipping point when it just, you know, goes over from just like everyday people knowing it to everyone knowing it. And so it's like on fleek when your when your grandma starts saying yeah. on fleek, you know that it's, it's tipped. Apparently, <laughs> so, the world needed another chicken sandwich option. I guess so. I know Popeyes is like woohoo! Whoever came up with the marketing is getting a raise. Okay. I mean, Gail King was Instagramming live from Popeye's that they had the sign on the door saying they're out of sandwiches, which is good (laughs) marketing because now it's like the black market of chicken sandwiches. You guys, please don't buy, you know, questionable Popeye's chicken sandwich. You don't know if it's the real deal. Like, come on, be safe out there. Somebody made it there because I I did see someone had it online for seventy five dollars. I was like, I can't. Yeah, wait for real. I thought you were just making know, that. I up. mean, no, no, no. I did see like, but I'm like, I don't know if they were really selling it. If it was like a fake ad, but I saw like this, like someone posted like, is this ad real? Seventy five dollars. That's crazy. Oh lord. This is um. So I was on uh, Facebook the other day and I saw an interesting post by our friend, friend of the show. Uh, well, you know Jason Vitug, right? Of course. So Jason- world. Yeah, so Jason Superdope, he he too is a financial educator, and he posted something really interesting um, about the fire movement. And I just wanted to see like your feedback on what you thought. Mm-hmm. And he um he said um, he had an interesting and perplexing conversation with someone in the fire movement, 
And um, he been ridiculed over and well, this is basically what he said. He said the fire movement, he finds it interesting that folks in the, a lot of folks, not everyone, a lot of folks in the fire movement um, kind of, for lack of a better word, mock folks who spend their money on consumer goods. Um, but then one of the ways that the fire movement supports themselves is by investing in the stock market that is supported by those who buy consumer goods. So, you know, if like, let's just say like, you know, you think that people are dumb because they buy the iPhone, but then you buy Apple stock. If that person doesn't buy the iPhone, you can't, you know, you, your stock would not be worth anything. So like, where does that hypocrisy kind of like stop and end and, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're benefiting from consumerism because they need, they need companies to do well. Exactly. So they, yeah, I totally get it. So he got, he got hell for that. Yeah. Which he was like, you know, he, and he, this is what he was saying, which I totally agree. He's saying like, I'm not saying don't benefit, but it seems a little, you know, like it's a little, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on when you're like, look at you, you fool. You bought Apple. You know, you bought an iPhone. Ooh, thank you for buying an iPhone because without iPhone, I could not feed my family this week. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and so people were in, someone said, yeah, that's exactly how it is. And he's like, well, don't you just think that that's wrong? And the guy said, <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, yeah, I just, I thought that was really fair. And he was just like, you know, I just thought it was uh, crazy how people were really coming at him to say, yes, I judge those people. And yes, I benefit off, benefit off of their choices. And I just, I don't know. It's, I think it's one of the reasons why um, I've seen kind of like this pushback from the fire movement, which, you know, maybe we should explain what the fire movement is. Have we ever talked about it? I think we have. Right? Oh, I'm sure if you're, if you're a regular listener of the show, we've brought up fire movement and mm-hmm. I've, ta- I've shared my thoughts on, yeah, we've talked so it's fire. It's um, financial independence, retire early is mm-hmm. what the acronym stands for. And it's this movement where people save and work really aggressively in their early years so that they can retire early. And they, um, the issue comes up because a lot of these people who retire early create blogs or businesses where they teach people how to retire early. And that's kind of how they are able to retire early. Yes. <laughs> or they had a big job before and a massive savings or they were well yes. invested. You know, it's so for me, it's always been about if you're going to if you're going to, you know, market yourself as someone who's cracked the code and I retired yes. at 35 or 45 and then like, really crack the code. Then really crack it or tell us exactly what you mean by you retire early. What does that mean? Are you like living on a yacht or are you selling courses on how to retire early and they're, you know, because you did it. But in order to keep retiring early, you need to make money off these courses you're selling to people who want to retire early, you know. So, um, and on top of that, there's there was a New York Times article about how it's very much um, uh, white male kind of voices in this community and how women of color are stepping up and speaking out more about the movement and, you know, all that jazz. Yeah. So I just thought that was really interesting. And I just I thought it was like it was dope of Jason to kind of bring that up to be like, look, hey, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with fire, but maybe you should take a look at, you know, what are you really saying? Because the truth of the matter is, if everyone followed your stringent advice there, you there would be no movement for you. Um, oh, yeah. Fair, yeah, so fair assessment. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I was key keying over the comments. I said, "Ooh, they're dragging Jason," but I said, "Let me eat, eat here, ch- chopping my popcorn." I was messaging him because I was like, "You know what? I don't want to get into the fray. I feel like I, I pull more and more away from the financial 
community somewhat because it, there is sometimes there is a lot of judgment that I'm like, oh, I'm not here for that. I mean, there's definitely some dope pockets that I engage in. But overall, sometimes I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, OK, like I feel like people are um, are bashing the go ahead and get the latte or they're like, don't get the latte or it's just I don't know. It just seems like a lot of tug of war and and pulling over over nothing, you know, like I just. I just don't like the direction that some of it has gone into that almost like in order to rise up, you have to bash someone else's way of doing it, you know? Yeah. There's so much competition to be a financial educator and make money from that career path right now Mm -hmm. that I honestly think it's just people who get are being defensive and like territorial because they are worried about their own livelihood, like this path that they've chosen to educate people. And they think sometimes the way you need to do it is to like keep up airs or like, keep up this image of, 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 um, that they've created for themselves or whatever. And honestly, like you don't need to, to, to educate people about their finances. You don't need to be a perfect example. No. Like, have you ever had a doctor who is like overweight or like looks, yes. you know or what I mean? Ha- the hairdresser whose hair is a little bit crazy looking. Looks crazy. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> exactly. when I first, first, first started, I remember I didn't want to take share that I had a foreclosure and I was like, girl, someone's going to do a Google and be like, ah, you budget needs to foreclose and you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. I remember the first time I shared it and someone was like oh my god thank you so much girl because I'm like well dang if you could bounce back from that then so can I and then that's when I realized like wow the more I shared honestly what was happening and how I make mistakes and how I still make mistakes that I don't consider myself any financial guru I'm just someone who's like when I learn something I'm going to share it and I'm going to be open about my experience about it that's it you know, like I always say, like, I, I'm your financial girlfriend, not your financial guru. Um, then then that I felt like that's when the, you know, the floodgates kind of opened for me. But, yeah, I just I agree that I don't know. It's just I'm not going to FinCon this year. No shout No shade to FinCon. But sometimes energy. <laughs> she turned her back on them. That's why we never get nominated for a damn. What's that word? What's the Pluto? So they never nominate. They know we're one of the best podcasts out there. I'm just going to say it. We never get nominated. Oh, did we get nominated? Because I'm nominated for two Plutus Awards this year. Oh, lovely for you. Yeah, they love the budget Nista. But... No, but weren't we nominated? We were nominated one time, weren't we? For um podcast. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think we won, but I'm we were nominated, sure. I feel like. Perhaps. But either way, Perhaps. yeah. Sometimes it's just like, like I said, sometimes the energy just can be like, oh my goodness. I thought we were just here to help and serve and, you know, but yeah. So that was just like my two cents. I just thought that was interesting and like how, um, you know, just a little hypocrisy in our industry that, um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I really don't believe in extremes, you know, um, that I feel like most people dwell somewhere in the balance. And that's where I try to reach people that I'm not here to be like, you are terrible. Or like, there's only one strict way to, to live life. Uh, I just don't think that that, because the truth of the matter is if everybody only ate vegetables, you know, then we would be overrun by animals. If anybody, everybody only ate animals, then we would be overrun by something else. Like there's diversity for a reason. Like it's, it's one of the ways we're able to sustain life that everyone doesn't all do the same thing. So that should never be the goal. That's what I think. It's that core thing you learn in preschool. We're all different. We all have our own unique, whatever way of doing things. I don't know. People, people are crazy. But um, that's, that reminds me of a good question we're going to answer later from someone who basically is getting like worn down by all the advice, the, 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 the save and the payoff debt and wonders when, where's the, where's the advice on how to work fun into the equation? So we'll get to that question when we, when we answer questions later in the show. 
something else I saw interestingly enough, I was like, I'm I'm not a big New York Times um um reader, but mm. I saw this called I know called what what American CEOs are worried about so um, speaking of like you know white men in business because I think we talked about that like the fire movement so nearly 200 executives meet annually and it's called the business roundtable and um uh Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan and Chase um there's like you know these major you think of like Apple Pepsi Walmart all these executives meet um annually to talk about like you know what what can we do to continue to dominate the world? Um, and so interestingly, the, the talk in business now, which I think is so crazy because I feel like small businesses have already been on this, that before the business roundtable, their stance were, was that basically that they were here to cater almost exclusively to the shareholder. So we want the shareholder to make money. And now they're saying that, you know what, there are other folks that we should be um, concerned about as well. And so that's to protect the environment, to deliver value to customers, to invest in employees. I'm like, well, clearly they're only doing this because at the bottom bottom line, like all of these companies really care about the bottom line. But apparently, this is what I love, what I call like the millennial shift, that because millennials are such a huge dominant force and you guys care about more than just money. And because you care about more than just money, you are shifting industries with your choices that you are forcing these big, huge companies like this to say things like this. Like we want to invest in employees and protect the environment and value our customers. They never said things like this before. And so I just thought that that was really interesting that that was something that they're taking this big stance on. We'll see how it actually plays out in these companies. But the fact that that was even a stated issue and something that they discussed at the business roundtable, I thought that that was, um, there, it's a, it's a, basically it's a lobbying group. I thought that that was interesting and, and um, very telling about the times we live in. Yeah, I saw that headline, how public companies are focusing on the customer and shareholders aren't as important anymore. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's kind of like, duh, <laughs> create great products that serve your customers. And, and you know, that's, that's one way to, to have good business. Um, and a lot of times, like if you're, a, if you're an employee, like I am of a publicly traded company, you may be a shareholder and also... Um, an employee and a customer. So you, you, and, and and you're helping, if you're working for a publicly traded company, and especially for me, like I want to feel like my company is putting out a product that I can be proud of. And even the way that millennials choose jobs, I think is changing. Like there needs to be like, even though I'm working for a corporation, it's still a service driven industry. Like we serve people, we help them compare, you know, financial products in a way that's very simple and easy to do. And I can, I can feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm still in that servicey industry um, and that that's an element that's important to me. We actually did a, um, a, a survey with our, with across the whole company, like an mm. engagement survey or whatnot recently. And one of the questions um, is how involved the company is in philanthropic um, uh, efforts, you know, do mm-hmm. they, and do they feel genuine? Like, do you feel like we genuinely care about these efforts, and it was interesting to see the results and how they and then how they varied by age. And yeah, I think that they'd be stupid not to, for in terms of recruiting and also just like retaining their customer base, not to 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 focus on those types of efforts um, to to keep their businesses alive. 
Yeah, I just thought, sure. thought that was really interesting. They're like, wow. I'm like, you guys must be really affecting that bottom line because I don't know these big companies to shift or move because Yay, they're feeling millennials. warm and fuzzy. Exactly, for real. Because, you know, <laughs> the, poor millennials, you know, they're always like, you know, you guys don't buy pet food. Oh, no, that's not true. You do buy that. You guys broke the napkin industry. You guys don't buy pantyhose or whatever. That's so true. Many, <laughs> I know. Right? But so many industries or so many things. Millennials are entitled. Millennials are lazy. Millennials, millennials, millennials. But like, but look, I think that that, I mean, to me, this is, this is tremendous progress that because you guys are like, there's some, there's bigger, bigger things that we should be focused on. Let's look holistically at this world and at life. And look, you are forcing the hand of these huge conglomerates who really, quite honestly, I know could care less, but because millennials are not just talking about it, that you are putting literally your money where your mouth is, you're forcing the hand of these businesses that otherwise would continue on as they've always continued on. So that is a big win, whoop, whoop for millennials. See, Mandy, y'all be doing good things. I mean, I feel like all I can say is you're welcome. (laughs) You speak for all the millennials. (laughs) You're welcome, America. We are making the world a better place. Can we just vote, though? Can we get to the polls? Um, Lynn will really see. (laughs) We'll really see. One thing thing at a time, millennials. (laughs) <laughs> One thing at a time. Ooh, in true millennial fashion, I sat my butt on the couch last night and watched the VMAs on <gasps> MTV when they aired. <laughs> what? I know. I felt I was like, ooh, int- I, I watched commercials even. I was really tired. I was, I was just so tired. I just, I watched like maybe an hour of it. Good, you know, good, good entertainment. I almost knew most of the musical acts. Love ooh. me some Lizzo. Love yes. Liz and Lizzo. Have loved Lizzo for so long. I'm so happy for her. Oh my God. Yes. She's just so dope. And honestly, I was really geeked because you know they you know they did the um the they shot it in Newark. Yes. So yeah, the town was a buzz. And I love that they really honored New Jersey all throughout the um the VMAs. They had um Queen Latifah, who's from Newark. They kept cutting Kitten. to her too, every performance. It was like, what's yeah. Queenie's face? <laughs> Oh, she, she loved Taylor Swift. What's what's ooh Missy Elliott? Like, <laughs> it was funny. And they they also had like Naughty by Nature close out, which is like I remember when I was like in high school, Naughty by Nature, like you know Hip Hop Hooray. Oh, they actually had a store downtown Newark. Um, uh, so it was just like such a great, um, you know, just I just everybody in Newark was super excited. There were like pre parties and post parties, and and so I the night before I went by to see the red carpet. It was just so crazy to see the full build out right there downtown Newark. I was like, look at Newark. And then, because you know what's so crazy is the day before they had the Black Girls Rock taping. So I'm like, yo, Newark is really getting cute. So Black Girls Rock on Sunday and then um, VMAs on Monday. So it was just a a great weekend for Newark. I mean, you can't forget the Jonas Brothers. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) They're from Jersey. You can forget them, though. It wasn't my favorite performance. (laughs) I knew I should have turned it off, though. I didn't see Naughty by Nature. Yeah, they were at not. I uh, should have should have kept it going. I was just like, wow, I'm really just sitting here and like watching commercials, and you know, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Hey, BA fam! This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. 
State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. ready for questions let's do it you guys know how to reach us if you have any questions career financial you know we're not go-to investment advisors or financial experts quote unquote but we will give you the realest answers we can possibly manage based on our joint experience in this world that we exactly call we're not financial gurus we're your financial girlfriends i like that i'm gonna steal that <laughs> So to contact us, how do you do it? You can hit us up on Instagram at Brand Ambition Podcast. Just shoot us a message. Be patient because our inbox has been, you know, getting beefy. Some people have been coming for me in my personal DMs. Um, you guys, that's my off time. I don't work. <laughs> at Mandy Money is not a work account. <laughs> I'm not taking questions there. Um, continue hitting us up directly at Brand Ambition Podcast. It also helps me keep organized. Thank you very much. Or you can email us at brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. Let's take a question from a mama bear. Mama bear who goes by the name of Amanda, who has an interesting question I mentioned earlier on the show about balancing what she feels like she should be doing with what she wants to do with her finances. Here's Amanda's question. I'm a mother of two, nine and three years old. I make good money as a designer and I live in a two income household earning just over $250,000 collectively. I've been very focused on paying off student loans. I have about $50,000 left and saving for for retirement, maybe paying down our home. Our mortgage is about $295,000 left on it and thinking about helping my kids for college or even paying for their college. But at the same time, I'm reading the news and the Amazon's on fire and the ice caps are melting and crazy people are in office. And I worry that my beautiful brown children could be hurt by police or in school by a lunatic. So should we just go on vacations? Maybe see Yellowstone before it gets turned into a mall or something or go to Europe before Americans are on permanent timeout from the rest of the world? I love this question. (laughs) I hate to be so morbid, but I don't know if I will have grandchildren. I feel like I have brought children into a dying world. Is it stupid to have retirement funds when I feel like there may not be a retirement in the sense that we think of it now? Sorry to be a bummer, but hope you guys can help. I really feel for this woman because as a, as a natural pessimist, I want (laughs) to, first of all, I'm going to send you this article that I, that I I just stockpile these articles to remind myself. You will live longer if you're an optimist. There's an article in the New York Times today that has a study on this. So first of all, as a natural pessimist, I totally – I'm thinking about bringing this baby into the world and I'm thinking the same exact thoughts. I just haven't written them down. Um, so it's totally normal. Um, but Tiffany, I mean, what are your thoughts on letting the bad out there and the uncertainty influence your financial choices? Because it's a, it's a valid question, you know. Do everything yeah. right and, and get murdered tomorrow or live your life? <laughs> Here's the thing. I totally get it because it is worrisome. But can you imagine during World War One what they felt? During World War Two, what they felt during the Civil War? What like there there are there have been times during history of great upheaval and yet here we are still. 
And so I just say all that to say that that at the end of the day, we, you know, human beings don't necessarily have the final say that, you know, we I know we create so many issues in the environment and with each other. But quite honestly, we always have. We've been a hot mess since Adam bit that bit that apple. OK, so um, bring so us down on. to earth. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that, like, honestly, human beings are a hot mess. We just are. And somehow yet we persist. And I'm sure one day we won't. But I don't think the one day is going to be in the next 10 years, quite honestly. So I don't think it's going to be in the next 50 years or 100 years. So you still have, the, you know, I don't want you to throw away your, 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 your future because you're worried about the present. That we have literally done worse with less. So um, I, I would just continue to be, you know, continue to, well, here's the thing. You have to balance living in the present. So you should um, go to Yellowstone and enjoy life. You definitely should. But with keeping an, an eye on, I, I still think I'm going to get to this, this desired goal of like 70, 80, 90 years old, um, because you likely will. The likelihood is that you will. And so I, I would manage both that enjoy now, because that's what every, everybody should be doing anyway. But planning for the future is still critical because the likelihood is you're going to make it to the future. And guess what? We've had terrible presidents. Like Donald Trump is the worst. I mean, whatever. If you're listening, you're like, what? I love him. Girl, that's your personal choice. Uh, he okay. is the worst. Right? I think he is we're the in worst. a safe space. <laughs> but I mean, hello, Hitler. And yeah, here we are. Okay, and he wasn't our president. <laughs> I know. But what I'm just saying that in general, we've had some terrible, terrible, terrible leaders in the past. And yet here we are. You know, people, I mean, if you could even imagine who are worse than Donald Trump. Um, so I just say all that to say that we have been in similar and terrible situations before. And yet here we are. Um, things don't always, trouble don't last always. That's what somebody's grandma, I'm, I'm sure, has, has, has said over and over, that trouble don't last always. And so don't plan for trouble. You prepare for trouble, but plan for, for, for good things. Yeah, I really want... And and I, like I said, I'm a natural pessimist when it comes to my finances and even I'm finding out the future of my child. I'm like, I constantly ask myself, what if they're a serial killer? How do you not raise a serial killer? Mm. Like, I'm sure there's some great moms out there who gave birth to serial Like, you know, I, I'm like just – and I have to change the way I have – I just have to purposefully – this is one of the reasons I started doing pre um, prenatal like for new moms therapy. It's been very helpful to me to just change the questions and the stories I'm telling myself because – Yes, it's it, in, in, in one way, it's good to be woke and aware of what's happening in the world. But does it really serve you to only think about the worst case scenario? No. Yeah. Studies show it makes you die sooner. So um, I'm trying to be more of an optimist. And luckily, I've got a husband who is an optimist and can shake me out of my negative, my negative spiral sometimes. When it comes to your finances, though, and what really has helped me is I have a plan for the best and the worst. It makes me feel very comforted to know that should, you know, should things go belly side up, you know, I will have money in the bank and that I am building something now that I can, my children can one day inherit makes me feel good. But I'm also focusing on my personal happiness and taking a vacation, for example, that was a big deal for me. And I am putting together for our new, you know, budget with a child, a plan to save for vacations. Cause I don't want, I, the last thing I want is to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing opportunities for my child to enjoy life, like traveling and seeing the world, seeing this beautiful world. There is so much. Mm, there, there is. There is so much. I Believe me, I just went, you know, and saw so much of, you know, Portugal. And there's so much here in America that's still beautiful, even though, yes, the Amazon is dying. Like, the, the, on the whole, the world is thriving. Um, and you just ha – and there's so much to see. And I, 
I don't want you to get caught in the negativity and and not be able to enjoy those moments for your children's sake too because I know I was a child who grew up in a very negative kind of environment and look at me now you don't want to you know like very negative kind of pessimistic children really absorb the energy I think in the household too so and they need to feel safe and they want to feel like their parents have a plan for them um so yes and I'm speaking to you as a non like as a semi I'm not a real parent yet I'm just you are girl whatever I'm just a slow cooker right now I'm not (laughs) I'm a human instant pot um but anyway that that's that's what I would say and you guys earn really good money, and I feel like setting aside some money for those trips would also help you with your own pessimism because if you see all the good in the world, it will just help you counteract those negative headlines and see that there is so much more else going on. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, I think – and honestly, too, like we are so spoiled here. Like I remember the first time I went to Nigeria, and I saw how little my cousins had in comparison to what I had. Mm-hmm. And how much I bitch about all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, the joy, the level of joy astounded me. I just remember being like, you, wh- where's this happiness coming from? You know, because, you know, to us, it's like, well, you don't have Jordans. You don't have this. And you don't have that. And even I don't find my I don't consider myself to be super um, materialistic. And I, I still was like, wow, the level of joy with it had nothing to do with the level of material acquisition because they had like, not that my cousins have nothing, but in comparison to what I had, you know? And I just remember thinking that like joy really does come from within and all of these external things, you know, if you really work at it, um, they, they don't have to steal your joy. You can choose. It's not easy. I mean, for there are some cultures that lean into it more than others, but they're doing it, which means that it's out there to have. And so, yeah, that, you know, I just think that working on being grateful for day-to-day things, I don't know if you keep a gratitude journal. I used to do this thing, which I should get back to it, that every time something good happened, I would write it on a scrap piece of paper and I put it in this little jar that I would keep on my desk. And like, you know, like literally I would have stuff in my bag and at the end of the week I would like dump it out and dump all the good things that happened in this jar. And then January 1st, I would pull it out and read it. And it would just be so amazing. Like, oh, I remember Jarrell surprised me with ice cream that day. Or, oh, that's the day Supergirl told me she loved me. And, you know, there were like these small little things that made me realize what an amazing, wonderful, joy-filled year that I had. So maybe doing that with your family, like creating like a, a joy bucket where you're just putting making note of things, joyful little things that happen and then reading through them together. So you could really acknowledge like, you know, just how, 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 um, how blessed you are. Now that's one thing that my therapist talked to me about is to counteract the negativity, to write out the positive things. And that's why it's all about just flooding the negativity with the positive light that you see. And when you take that time, look at your children, I'm sure they're very adorable. I'm sure that they have so many moments of joy throughout the day that you can focus on instead. Um, All that. And I know it's, it's hard work and I'm I'm working on it too, but hopefully Amanda from another Amanda, who's a pessimist, are you me? I don't know me in my future. Um, That'll, (laughs) that'll, that'll help you just to, to try and shift your own mindset and take it. It sounds like you need a vacation girl. Go on a vacation ASAP. (laughs) Get thee to Yellowstone. (laughs) Go. All right, let's take one more question from, okay. let's go to the gram. This question comes from Motips underscore fitness, who has a 22-year-old son who 
uh, <clears throat> is acting like some 20-somethings do and being a little irresponsible with his credit card. So here's Motip's question. So my son maxed out his one credit card. It's the only thing he has as far as established credit. So now his score is 383. Oh, my God. <laughs> He has 109% utilization on this card. He owes $544 on it. He and my other son, at the same time, are about to submit their apartment application next week, and they'll be roommates. Against my advice, he didn't stick to staying within a 30% limit, and now he needs help paying off this credit card because when he applies for this apartment with his brother, they may get rejected. I told him to help pay off his credit card. I would give him a portion of my security deposit I'm going to get back from my current apartment after we move out. But I told him he needs to pay off his credit card with it. He's been making monthly payments, but the minimum payment only. I'm wondering, should I assist him and pay it down to 30% and just keep my security deposit? Or should I keep my promise to him and wait for my security deposit and give it to him then? I'm afraid that he won't learn a lesson, and I don't think he cares or understands about credit scores right now anyway. From Mo Tips. Mo, mo, mo. Mo, 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 mo. Here's the thing. 22 oh. years old. It's still like, uh, he's still a baby when it comes to money. So what you do now is going to help to set the tone, whether or not he's going to be sleeping on that couch when he's 30 years old. Mo, get focused, Mo. Do not bail this man out. Because if you do, Mo, he's going to keep coming back to you. He's never going to learn the lesson. I would not give him that security deposit. And I would not bail him out because he's young. Meaning that if he messes up his credit at 22 a little bit, he can rebound. It's not the end of the world. But if you bail him out, he will constantly think that mom's got it, mom's got it, mom's got it. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, you, you can, um, I mean, you have to walk him through the process of fixing this. That's really what he needs right now. He needs someone to walk him through the process of fixing this. It needs to be made hard for him so he doesn't want to come back here again. One of the best things that my dad ever did for me um, was make it difficult to live at home. <laughs> right? Like, because it made, made me, like, want to be more financially responsible. Because I want to get my own place. I want to be able to take care of myself. I want to be able to have good credit so I could have got my apartment. And so when we make life life too easy for kids, um, then they then they stay kids. And he's 22, so he's not, you know, he, he's just one pinky toe into, like, full adulthood. Because 22 is, like, around the time you just graduated college maybe a year or so ago. Um, maybe you're thinking about grad school. Maybe you're not. You know, um, so, yeah, that, that would be my suggestion is to walk him through the solution of this is why your credit score, the way it is, the way it is. You're not going to be able to get an apartment. Do you understand that? You're not going to be able to get a car. I'm telling you, he doesn't care about a credit score, but he does care about a car and an apartment. So mm-hmm. relate it back to what he cares about and to say, if you want to get an apartment and a car, I will help you um, to raise your credit score and to get out of this debt. Um, by showing you how to do so. But if not, then you're, you're not going to be able to have any of those things. And, yeah, uh, with a credit yeah. score that low, they might deny him lickety split for that apartment. Yep. I've never even seen a credit card. So that, like, congratulations, my friend. That is epic. <laughs> but the, the good news is that it's only, I mean, I'm saying only, but it's fi- to him, it's probably a lot of money. It's $500. Um, and she says he does, he does, he has just started a full, a new full-time job. Um, as a jewelry repair person. So it sounds like he's got a source of income. Why, do, Instead of maybe his consequence 
that he needs is that he doesn't he can't get approved for this apartment. So he needs to live with you for a little longer and with his first paycheck, pay off his credit card. You know, first paycheck or two, just pay off his credit card, get his credit score in shape. Once he pays off that card, it's going to jump, like Tiffany says, like Jordan, and he'll be in better shape. And then maybe that's the hard lesson he needs that, oh, because I was careless with my credit card, now I'm stuck living with mom for, you know, two or three more months. But it's at the same time, be grateful because it's only, it can only take you a few months to pay that off if you got a full-time job probably. Um, and, And in that way, you're helping him by providing him a roof over his head but not actually paying off the card and making it too, too easy for him. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm telling you, like, I, I get it. Cause you sit here and say, Oh, it's $500. I'll just do it. No, you'll be doing it over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. I've met a young woman who said that she ran up her cars. Her parents bailed her out. She ran them up again. Her parents bailed her out. She ran them up again. They didn't have the money to bail her out because they had run out of money. And she felt so bad. She figured out finally how to bail herself out. And she wished that they had never bailed her out in the beginning because now she feels a sense of guilt that she put them in a tough financial spot. So don't bail him out. Give him the tools to bail his own self out. And help him understand why he maxed out his card in the first place and how mm-hmm. to avoid it in the future. Teaching moment. Yes. But thank you for your question. That's a good one. Oh, Lord. How to raise a kid who's funny. I'm going to start all I'm going to have to reread all the articles on how to raise a kid who knows what they're doing with their money, because I just I just don't know. How do I raise a kid who knows what they're doing, Tiff? When, when you're ready, just call Rondi Aliche. OK, that's my father. You what? You know, he raised five of us well, to be like, okay. but you're the one who's always like they're shocked that I'm even successful because I was well, a no, hooligan. No. <laughs> school. I mean, they're shocked. I'm just like, like, you know, cause I was not, I mean, I don't say I wasn't even, I was what I call Nigerian bad. Like I talked in class, yeah. but still got good grades. It's so a different like, bar for real. Yes, exactly. Like there wasn't drugs and alcohol and like teenage sex. None of that was happening. Nigerian bad is, is that a C? And your teacher <laughs> said that you were talking to your friend in class. <laughs> that was like so like um yeah no no when it comes to finance though like no we were always the only one that's probably not as um responsible as lisa but she's the baby and i'm if i'm gonna be all the honest we raised her and we clearly you know little missteps here and there um and but no but my dad was really one of the things that he was really good at and the lesson that i took away is that my father was really good at aligning what we cared about with what he cared about so it wasn't this is the water bill because kids don't care it was, that's why we didn't go to Disney World. Wait, what? Disney World. It wasn't, this is the light bill. It's, it was, that's why, we, that's why we can't get ice cream from the ice cream man when he comes around. So I cared about ice cream. I cared about Disney. I cared about those things. And then he would say, those things either can happen or won't happen based upon the lights, the water, and everything else. But do you see how all of a sudden I care about water, lights, all of these things, because it led to the end goal of what I wanted. So if I could give like, well, like the biggest takeaway of like being raised by financially responsible parents who raise financially responsible kids is aligning what your kid cares about with what you care about, because you're never going to get them to care about your water bill, your light bill and all those other things. And so he was really, really good at that. Sounds also like marriage and managing your finances (laughs) with a partner. Hmm, I've seen some overlap. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for your questions. Again, we're Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram, or you can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Back 
Now it's time to boost or break with all our family. Will you boost? Will you break? What will it be, Mandy? I know I just talked a big game about being a uh, you know recovering pessimist, but I I need to, I need to vent. I need to do a break today. <laughs> okay, I'll be optimistic next week. I promise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe. So I'm gonna take a break from the complainers on your team at the office or wherever you work, whatever team you have, the people who have, because everyone in your jobs, you have challenges, right? You get projects thrown your way with a tight timeline. You, you know, you have a new person on your team who, you know, is, is, is posing some challenges or someone, you know, quits and you've got to, you know, fill their, their role. Like there's always stuff that's going to happen when you're working for any job, you know, whether it's for yourself or for a company. But what drives me crazy is people who cannot handle those challenges and get in this like complaint, like they'd rather complain about what's in front of them than like just get the shit done and come up with a game plan to like make it happen. It drives me nuts because I I feel like sometimes problems only, they just, they can cause anxiety and they feel so much bigger than they are mm-hmm. when you don't sit down and just write your to-do list. Like, how do I solve this? Check, check, you know, I can do these three things to make this problem better. I can do it today and this problem is solved. And hey, look at me. I'm a contributor to the team. And it it's just, and you know, whether they're on my team or on other teams and I have to work, interact with them, they, it's like when you see people who aren't doing their job well and you're just like, come on, man, it's not that hard. It drives me insane to no end. And it also just like brings down the mood of a team and it brings down the mood of an office and it doesn't have to be that way, you know? It's almost like just tell yourself a different story about the challenges in front of you. I can do this and here's how I can do it. I'm going to ask for these three things to help me accomplish this. And that actually will impress any manager to like – and it makes me value the people on my team who are like that. They see problems in front of them and they come to me with, oh, I had this thing that happened and, oh, I have this idea of how we can fix it. Listen, I want to give these people like a hug and a kiss every day. That is how you really pre- – that's how you get raises, promotions. You impress yes. people that way. That is the key to success as far as I'm concerned. And I just no. needed to let that be known. <laughs> no, I love that. You're right. It is hard when you're working with someone because you're like, oh, my gosh, we, we already acknowledge this is a challenge and you, you're not making it. You're making the challenge. It's literally like a rock around your neck. You're like, I'm trying to swim against the tide and now I've got this rock tide that's weighing us down. It's like, that's why everybody in college used to hate the group projects. You're like, oh, group project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is one yeah. big group project though, you know? It is. It is. And uh, you're right that if you don't change the narrative, it's going to be a long life, a long, miserable life. And it's easy to, to go down that rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, it's so hard, you know, but I've learned, um, you know, to embrace our challenges, like at, 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 on our team, like, you know, these can be fun things that we can overcome and also setting the, the tone for the rest of the team. But it is hard, you know, when you don't have a choice and, and I don't know why some folks bring some, I guess sometimes it's just, it's just habit. Some people are Eeyore. I think that they've been, and I've been, maybe I've been reading too many leadership books. Okay. I've been reading one leadership book um, lately, <laughs> but I, this part, I wanted to like get up out of my seat. I was listening to the audio book on the train and just like clap because there's one part where she talks about rewarding exhaustion and rewarding hard, like mm. people who, you know, show how hard they're working. And I think this person who I'm thinking of now and who, people who I worked with before who are complainers, maybe in the past they were, they were, they thought that that was their way of getting credit for all the work they're doing yes. is to complain about how hard everything is. 
I'm like, that's not how this, like, that's not how I want to run my team. And it just, it creates the wrong reward system. Like don't reward, you know, I kick people out of the office if they're staying too late. When people tell me, oh, I'll do that on the weekend. I'm like, why? I wouldn't do it on the weekend. Stop. You're not doing that on the weekend. Yeah. Um, and, and, but at the same time, like if I, you, when you, sometimes you deal with people who come with their own like baggage from former jobs and this is the way they've always operated and you have to kind of like learn how to help them shift their own mentality around different challenges. But um, it's, it's not good. If you're the complainer on the team, change it now, change it now. Cause you're slowly driving people nuts and they hate working with you. <laughs> <laughs> Just letting you know. Solutions, people. Solutions. How are you going to fix it? What are you going to ask for? I call it a paper towel person, right? That's what you want to be. Because I remember I said, like, my dad used to be the one to be like, you spilled milk. Do you know how much milk costs? Milk is not cheap. And you're like looking like, "Uh, I'm five. And my mom, you spilled milk. She just rips off a paper towel and gives it to you. And so I remember that story before. Yeah, that like you said, you never heard it before. No, you never told me that. That's what hey, you actually you tell me lots of stories over and over again. This is a new one. I, 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 tell me the story from start to finish. <laughs> and so, like, so that's what I remember because I, my dad and I have very similar personalities. So I always used to tell myself um, when I was a kid, I want to be a paper towel person, like someone when something happens that I'm not basically talking about like how it's broken or the milk is spilled, whatever, I, I immediately go toward the solution. And that's how my mom is. She never, I can't really remember her fussing when things went wrong. It was always, well, I'm going to call your teacher tomorrow and see what we can do. Or here's a paper towel or, or, you know I what see. I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And so I just remember, cause here's the thing about the fussing. My dad would go through all of this rigmarole about the milk and how expensive milk is and how kids don't respect anything. And, and then at the end, he would tell you to get a paper towel anyway. So I just remember thinking, why don't we just start with that? You know? <laughs> and so like, so I always said, I'm going to be a paper towel person. So I, I like, yeah, I, I really try my best to be a paper towel person. So let's all try to be paper towel people. Okay, people. Fix your own damn problems. If you want to succeed in the world. Ooh, anyway, that I need to get that off my chest. And I have some tough conversations to have, I've realized, <laughs> later yeah. on this week. But uh, all right, what's you going to do? Boost or break? I'm going to boost. Uh, I'm going to boost because um, – so a friend of mine, her name is Chris Bright, but her name is Chris Miss on um, – on um, IG and um, another young woman named Germany, but they call her Snap Allure. Oh, like, is that how you say her name? Allure. Anyway, they launched something called Black Girl Beach Day. And I believe this is either the third or the fourth year. I think it's the third year. I went last year. When I tell you, amazing, Mandy, over a thousand women um, signed up for it. It was like the tickets for like 20 bucks or whatever. I couldn't go this year because it was on my mom's birthday and Drina's, um, um, well, wedding shower day, but it looked amazing. And last year was amazing, but it looked amazing. I mean, there's double Dutch yoga, arts and crafts, the beach. It's just, it's just, she just wanted to create a safe environment for black girls and women to come together to just go to the beach and enjoy themselves. And I just, I'm just so proud of her. It looks incredible. Um, if you're on Instagram, Black Girl Beach Day, literally just exactly how it's spelled. Um, you can follow them on, uh, on there. You can see like the video and the pictures. It just, when I tell you a good time, and you know what I really love about it? Is that like, you know, as black women and brown women, sometimes we're self-conscious about our bodies. And I just remember, um, I grew up in Westfield largely. And I remember like, I would go to the pool and like all my white friends, when I would go to the pool with them, they would wear their bathing suits. 
And then um, I would go to the pool with my black friends and they would always wear a t-shirt over their bathing suits. And I just remember being thinking that was so strange. Like, why do why do all my little black girl friends, why do they cover their bodies? That was me. And, you know, and I just, <laughs> you know, and I just didn't like that. And I just remember thinking, why? I mean, you know, like black bodies are, it's just, why is there this, this thing to cover up? And what I love about black girl beach day, there are no t-shirts. Like your body is beautiful however you show up. And it's just such a celebration of femininity, womanhood, masculinity, however you come, however you show up, you are appreciated, loved on. It's just such an amazing day. I mean, they do everything, all black things you could think of, electric slide. All the black things. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there's double just they were stepping. I mean, it was just, and like, yeah, if you go to Black Girl Beach State, you see every type of body shape, size. It's just, when I tell you, it's just a wondrous day. And if you get a chance to attend next year, hopefully it will fit in my schedule next year. If you get a chance to attend next year, I highly recommend it. It's just a love fest for for black and brown women in particular. They don't turn anyone away, but it's certainly a love fest for black and brown women. And um, yeah, Black Girl Beach Day. Look for them on, on IG. Just um, follow yeah. them. Love it. Yeah. Right? Just shout out to Christmas and Germany because I can't imagine. I mean, they even... They even chartered buses to bring people down for those people that didn't have transportation. Is that in Jersey? In Jersey, mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Jersey Shore. I'm going to start a, a, a beach day for wives whose husbands don't like the beach because <laughs> I have, you know, they say accept the spouse that you married. I knew that my husband did not like the beach when I married him. He's a Dominican who does not like the beach. I know, like, apparently there's more of them than just him. And I just need to accept it because – you just need – I just need to find people who find joy in the beach like me and just go to the beach with them. You know what I mean? Anyone else out there with husbands who don't like the beach? Afraid of water? I'm trying to see like it's Superman. I mean he doesn't just like the beach, but the beach is not like his fave. But we'll go at least right? once once in the summer. I need some people who enjoy the beach like me, man, because I just can't keep – I'm just like, really? We haven't been to the beach all summer? <laughs> He's like, I told you who I was. <laughs> right. You know who you met. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, amazing oh. though. I love it. Oh, that's so cute. I want to. Uh, maybe I'll go next year. Yeah, but like I said, Black Girl Beach Day, awesome times, awesome times. So, guys, now it's time to say goodbye to everyone. Um, no. We will see you next week. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Summertime is just about over, so you guys should be back on your regularly scheduled listening program. If you have <laughs> not invited someone to listen to Brown Ambition, what are you doing? You're being selfish. Um, yeah, invite a friend, listen in so you guys can giggle together. Um, message us. I am the budget Nista on all things social. Mandy, you're basically Mandy Money on all things social, right? I'm Mandy Money on Instagram, or you can find me Mandy Woodruff on other social media platforms. Um, and we are Brown Ambition Podcast on the gram. We're on Facebook. Just Google Brown Ambition. You can't miss us. Mm-hmm. And um, we love y'all. We really do love you guys. Leave a review if you haven't yet. If you're a new listener this summer, please leave us a review. Um, They really help people on iTunes find us. They help us get all the great features that we get on the iTunes homepage. They're so nice to us because they know our listeners love us. So leave us a review. I think we're at 700. We're going to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. Ooh, we cute, cute. We need to get to 1,000. I want to see that 1.0K. <laughs> that you know how if it's more than a thousand it's like one point okay i want that please um but be- be- believe me like fresh reviews just help our show rise to the top and you know the reason we've been on the air for so long is because of listeners like you guys supporting us so thank you thank you thank you
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.